Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, good people. Welcome to our show. Bad people, welcome to our show. Anyone who want to learn more about branding, marketing, influence marketing, welcome because today we are going to discuss more about this topic to tell how you can get results. I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Mike Phillips. How are you? I am great. What an awesome intro, man. I feel like a rock star now. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I have a team of uh, designers uh, in Ukraine. I usually tell them, please create something unique. Don't don't copy others, don't replicate others, but be concise because in most cases, people are coming to the podcast to listen, to get value. But uh, anyway, we need to create interesting intro. So I, I don't tell them what they need to do. So, but <laughs> they provide this job. I love it. Mike, before we start, just tell more about yourself, experience, background. I remember all your valuable insights in our first episode. You shared a lot of value in my course. I submitted a bunch of videos on my YouTube channel. I know what kind of value you have i follow you on linkedin you're super active to share value you're so kind to share value so tell our audience more about you your business and anything that can help to learn more about you of course yeah i refer to myself as kind of a feral marketer right i'm a bit of a wild marketer i did not form my background in uh formal education i learned what it takes to make revenue happen by doing it. My background education began in engineering. I moved into sales roles for a few years, carried quotas, had to sell software and SaaS products, as well as small sales for smaller businesses. Uh, and then marketing found me and I fell in love with it. And now I do marketing for large and small businesses all across the the business spectrum, different industries. And uh, as far as my work, I am a senior growth marketing manager for a company called 1220. They're a educational tech SaaS startup. I also have my own business. I do consulting and I have a community that I am building to support creators and freelancers and solopreneurs make more revenue for themselves by taking actionable support and marketing knowledge and putting that together. So I've been doing this for a little over 12 years and you add all of that together. Um, love to share that experience with people and help people uh, achieve their revenue goals. Yeah, nice. Yeah, love it, love it, awesome. And uh, I want to ask you about your consulting business because uh, I do this job as well and uh, I get a bunch of questions almost every single day uh, about marketing, SEO. But, uh, you know, what I found, uh, many consultants uh, can provide great insights, valuable insights, but companies have no time to implement it. So basically, for example, if someone pays $10,000 for your consultancy, uh, but companies implement 40% of all recommendations, I mean, like 6,000 can be wasted. So can you tell your methods how to simplify experience of learning something, how you can highlight uh, of importance of doing something and anything that can help companies to implement, to execute, don't just listen to advice. <laughs> no, that's that's so true that it, it can be a struggle for uh, companies to realize uh, ROI, especially with agency work, because a lot of times they're bringing in an agency because they have an internal bandwidth limitation. There's only so many people to do the work inside the company and they want to tap expertise they don't have or execution that they can't achieve on their own. The most important thing for the company or, or, or the individual who is being consultant with is making sure you have a right size solution for the goal that you're trying to achieve. 
if you don't have a clear understanding of the objective, the business objective you're trying to achieve, is it more qualified leads? Is it a shorter sales cycle? Is it greater brand recognition? A business objective that ladder, all of your marketing and other efforts can ladder up to. You need clarity there, but then you also need to make sure that the way you're approaching that goal is sized appropriately to the resources that are available within a company. Oftentimes, we can be visionary. We can create extremely wide-ranging, impactful solutions. But if that's not implementable by a team of one, <laughs> if you need 10 yeah. people to implement your strategy, the strategy will not be fully realized. If you need 10 people and there are four people, then you have 40% of the strategy implemented. So it comes down to pairing the right goal with the right movement and the right execution strategy that can match up well for the specific client and then setting the expectations accordingly. You can't get 10 people worth of progress out of four people is something that's important to remind clients of too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you remind me my experience uh, because 12 years ago I had a team of uh, jack of all trades you know for example uh, everyone uh, was uh, responsible for specific projects and they basically wrote about um, any topic that I gave them weight loss finance anything I, I gave topics to specific person and he wrote submitted promoted <laughs> and yeah google ran well because competition was low today it's another story uh today we pay attention to experience uh when people have experience they can write editors have experience they can edit uh, so we have designers uh, uh, web developers and to create a piece of great content takes time yeah i agree and you know uh, you remind me another Great man, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know, once I watched interview with him and he told um, when he got the question uh, to describe his success. And he told his success depends on creating clear vision, uh, clear goals, what he wants to achieve. And he didn't care if someone didn't believe him that it's possible. Because in most cases, 99% of people told him you can't do uh, achieve anything in sport you can't achieve anything in politics you can't achieve anything in movies because yeah it's hard you will compete with million people he didn't care and we know he achieved all success that it's possible and uh, because of creating clear goals can you tell how to do it because i see when marketers chase vanity metrics traffic likes comments that it doesn't help so any tips about creating the right goals for sure. And that's a great example too. Arnold Schwarzenegger is one of the uh, embodiments of clear goal setting and then doing things that lead you to the goal. Um, he was also famous for saying that he's not a self-made man because it takes uh, so much support and community and different people to help achieve goals like that. But finding those people was also part of the strategy. Yeah. And I think when he, when you formulate goals, um, it's not about tempering or reducing what you want, because Arnold Schwarzenegger never did that. Um, I think it's about setting really large goals, but understanding how to break those goals down into um, contributing objectives, some specific individual key results, and then even smaller into little micro actions that you can take that produce forward momentum. So for example, um, it also is a fitness example myself. I 
uh, I'm a weightlifter. I have always been lifting weights. It's a, a passion of mine. My whole hashtag and brand is marketing muscle for that reason. But I once set a goal that I wanted to get back into the best shape of my life after injury. The only way to do that is to do large amounts of workouts and good nutrition and good commitment. That's the big goal. That would be in business. That would be your final objective. That would be, I want more revenue as every business wants is more revenue. But what are the ways that you achieve a big goal like that? You have to break it down to smaller steps. I even kind of started doing that with my language to get into great shape. It's nutrition and it's workouts. Okay. So to get new revenue in your business, we need more opportunities with the right types of customers. And we need those opportunities to close successfully. So those are kind of top line goals that you can set in an organization and say, okay, we want more revenue, but we want a good win rate. We want a certain amount of lead volume, but they need to be leads that become opportunities, not just junk leads that never go anywhere. So then you can take that mid layer of objectives and you can go further and like, okay, what are the actual measurable things that we can do to support those objectives? We need to, can we successfully and accurately measure? Are we winning our opportunities? If we measuring is number one is important. And then how are we winning them compared to where the opportunities are coming from? So that's one of the main things that I think is very helpful is you say, okay, social media leads from LinkedIn DMs, they close 80%. Uh, maybe Google ads, they close 5%, but we can drive a hundred times more of them. Now you can start making an intelligent decision that feeds the goal. And then you go even smaller and you say, okay, I'm going to create new ad creative or new organic social content on a weekly basis. I'm going to read the numbers and the reports, understand them and make adjustments. You bring the goals smaller and smaller and smaller. And as long as they ladder up to the big goal, you can then kind of trust this process and the workflow that you build. Yeah, valuable. Love it. Awesome. Awesome. I want to ask about this hashtag marketing muscle you know can you describe what it means you know because i think yeah we have muscles we have marketing but you unite both so can you tell how to be productive effective in marketing and what means uh, marketing muscle <laughs> for sure yeah honestly it this this was a story that began as my personal brand at the beginning of the pandemic lockdown here in the united states uh in new york and this is the state that i live in Uh, we got hit particularly early on and hard. And so all business, all things were shut down. I went from office work to remote work. I did not have a home office set up at the time. I had a space, which is what this space is, inside my home gym. And with all of the free time that that afforded me as far as not commuting or not going out to eat when all the things were closed, I started creating content. I started doing my own uh, videos and writing to create content and start to just share the way that I was thinking. And one of the thoughts that came to mind was how similar the process of creating better content and a bigger or stronger brand was very similar to creating better fitness and getting stronger muscles and stronger conditioning over in the gym. I saw it because I was in the same room, but I started realizing how very similar the mindset the goal setting, uh, the commitment to strategies and the types of tactics that you need to implement are very, very similar. And so this became my guiding focus for the content that I create on LinkedIn and YouTube um, and started just giving a bit of shape and focus to what I create. And this then 
evolved into a kind of advisory service and advisory content that's meant to help other creators and, and freelancers and solopreneurs who are trying to grow stronger revenue. And, and many of them who are not themselves marketers don't always understand the difference between content success and audience building and revenue success and income systems. And to be able to create those connections for them and provide actionable support that isn't just the free knowledge that's out there in the world, but something they can actually take action with, that became the guiding focus. And that is the brand that I now uh, run as my business. Yeah, nice. Love it. Love it. You mentioned a few times about content creation. And uh, I think, you know, content still a king, you know, as Bill Gates said. And uh, But what I usually see when uh, companies, especially in B2B, create a lot of content, uh, valuable insights, uh, but it's boring. Once I spoke with Jim Edwards, uh, he worked in Business Insider 10 years. He started in this company from scratch. Then company was sold for 500 million dollars. Everyone knows about Business Insider. And he told me that success of Business Insider depends on creating non-boring content. So they decided to create non-boring content. And today, if we check out data, bounce rate is high. It doesn't matter what kind of content, YouTube, TikTok, website content, people bounce fast if it's boring. So can you tell how to engage them? You know, how to attract your users uh, and to share value as well. <laughs> For sure. And, and, and that's a great example. And the, age, the adage in the marketing community is that uh, B2B uh, stands for boring to boring because yeah. <laughs> sadly that has become the normal for a lot of content. And there are now some brands and individual creators that are breaking that mold. And I think that's a very good sign that maybe, just maybe we're learning our lesson <laughs> about boring content, yeah. <laughs> but how, right? How do we go about doing that? Um, one of the most important things that I learned and that I now uh, share through my content when it comes to creating valuable content is Understanding the different ways that consumers of content uh, interact with the content and what they're looking to get out of it. So people are not necessarily having shorter attention spans. People will read long blog articles. They'll read books. They'll uh, watch three-hour podcast episodes. We have attention for stuff that's worth it. What we have is shorter consideration spans. The amount of time it takes us to filter out the BS and the boring yeah. and the junk does not take any time at all. And that's why bounce rates are so high. It doesn't matter what platform you're on. We can see the stuff that's not interesting and that's not engaging. We got, we have options. We don't have time, right? We have, yeah. so we leave the content. How do we do better with this? Right? So there are, there's a funnel of the type of consumption that takes place when people view content, you can gain attention. And that's about getting in front of the right people. That's good reach. It's good ranking for SEO. That's good organic penetration on social. Um, but attention when something is served to a new audience can be fleeting. It is earned in the moment of whether that content is worth consuming or not. But there's no recognition established or loyalty established because it wasn't sought out. It was served up to the audience. And so one of the things that makes a real difference for especially improving bounce rates and return visitor rates and things like that or repeat views is going to be bridging from passive attention to active consumption in the content that attracts people's attention 
can you then bridge them over into wanting to follow, to watch twice, to reread, to save and bookmark a loyal, a more loyalty oriented to the content. And, and the best way to do that is to be prescriptive, right? So oftentimes in the discovery phase of consumers searching, we want to learn an answer to a question. We say, what is the best widget for this problem? What is the best software? What is the best solution? Or what is this tool versus this tool? Um, these are, especially in search, it's very easy to see the uh, intent behind that is a commodity answer. They just want the information. They're not seeing what you're providing as unique. But if inside that piece of a content that attracted that attention, you can diagnose a problem. You say, hey, you're frustrated with this. You're afraid of this. You're angry at that. You're bored with this. All of the negative things that we are acutely aware of. You can say, here is why you feel that way. And then here is the solution to that problem. If you can be like a doctor or a mechanic or some other professional who can diagnose a problem in the content, people will begin feeling loyalty. They will want to consume it at a deeper level. And that's when they start sticking around the next time, the third time, the fourth time they see your content because you become established authority with the way you're answering those questions. And then yeah. from, there, from there, you just start building trust because they're like, this person solved a problem. And at and that moment, it's like, oh, they said they would, they did what they said. That exchange, that reciprocity kicks in. And then they start saying, I remember this person's name. I will tell this person's name to other people. And that's when you start getting opportunities for virality and brand recognition growing far beyond any one piece of content. Yeah, nice. Yeah, um, I agree. I think if uh, users uh, don't get back to your content, you're a trouble. You need to change something. <laughs> and uh, I remember a great book from Josh Sugarman, uh, handbook, uh, copywriting handbook. Yeah, uh, a great book because uh, uh, he described how to retain uh, your readers as much as possible until the end. And uh, this book was written for uh, marketing, but uh, I can relate all this insights to digital. Everything is the same because technologies change, but human psychology is the same. People want to value. And he explained how you can hook their attention in the beginning. It's important because, as you mentioned, uh, people can bounce fast. And he uh, shared example uh, about train. For example, if a train can start, it can stop fast. But if a train has speed, it's hard to stop. So it's the same like readers. If they uh, read your headline, you need to hook them. After opening content, you need to hook them uh, and retain. Then when they get, when you win their attention, so you can uh, uh, go ahead with logical structure. You know, yeah. Every I line, know. every line we add is not just meant to keep them reading, but it adds weight. It's like another train car on that train every every bit they move down it's more momentum and like yeah. you said we we don't uh, any piece of content that's served up is partially interruptive in nature right there's if we may be searching for something or we may be scrolling a feed for example but each piece of content tries to get your attention which is almost a little bit of an interruption but once it's interrupted we resist the interruption to begin with because of our momentum of consuming but once we are interrupted and we start consuming a piece of content and it answers and adds value and it adds value and it adds value and it adds up. 
that training gets longer and longer, get the weight is heavier, the momentum. We don't want to then change back to what we were doing. We want to yeah. finish what we started. So absolutely a great example. Yeah. Uh, I want to ask about creativity. Uh, let me share a short story about Lloyd Richards. Uh, he published a book 11 years ago, uh, but he spent 14 years to write a single book. 14 years. You know, for me, it's hard to imagine how to write a book 14 years. You know, it's yeah, a long time, you know, more than a decade. But he wrote this book, published, and uh, he used some marketing, sales. Nothing could help to sell this book. Just random sales. Then his daughter posted content on TikTok from account with zero followers. This video became viral. Plus 50 million people watched this video. Of course, I watched this video because I want to know how to win 50 million people, you know. And uh, uh, what I found, it's not nice looking design, but it, that was creative. You know, this video provokes curiosity. You want to know what kind of book is this. Uh, and today this book is bestseller on Amazon. And uh, I want to ask you about creativity, how to be creative. Because you mentioned you need to be unique, but I think uh, unique and creative close to each other. So can you tell how to be unique and creative uh, and stand out from the rest? Yeah, that was that isn't that a fascinating story about the way that book that the, his daughter published that video and it took off. Um, a heartwarming story of the internet that we all deserve, right? <laughs> and mm -hmm. I think the, the creativity, especially when you think about it in business context, I think we get out over our skis. We get, I think, a little, we start thinking about creativity in terms of production or in the terms of uh, how we are producing or, or formulating uh, a piece of content. And it begins with remembering that the word content is a synonym for the word substance. So the content of a pot of stew that you are cooking, the content of it is the substances that you put within it. We have just forgotten that that was a thing because we use the word content like a proper noun. It is now to refer to writing or video or anything that's produced on the web. And so creativity starts with the ingredients. It starts with the essence of the story and what impact or transformation it has on the consumer, the viewer of that content. And so the number one thing, you know, that you can have an overproduced piece of uncreative content, but you can also have an underproduced piece of highly creative content. And I think that is the thing that determines virality more creativity and substance over the production. I think the reason that example went so well is it was a relatable story. People could see themselves as the child with a older adult, whether it's father or not in their life, who had a goal that it never really achieved, but they stuck with it. There's the relatable underdog story, plus the endearing connection to an, a mentor in your life that everybody either has or wish they had. And that connection, I think in that moment is what helped that piece of content do so well that it was, it was the right framing of the story. And that's why it doesn't have to be like, and you know, music video level uh, editing and, and fancy uh, filters. Um, can those things help consumption? Yes, they can help drive further consumption, but it must start with the right ingredients. And I think that's the key when it comes to trying to create, to be creative is to make sure that why you are creating the content and the ingredients you're beginning with are very strong to begin with. Then you can move to 
crafting the recipe and producing the content in a way that increases consumption and uh, retention. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about something that is not creative, but it's a regular tool today, AI. And now Jeff Coyle said on my podcast that in the future, we will have three companies. The first company will develop AI. The second company will implement AI. And the third company will be obsolete. Just leave the trade uh, <laughs> to your competitors, you know. Yeah. And uh, I think uh, many content creators complain that AI is not creative. Uh, of course, it's not creative. It's the best rewriting tool. Rewriting, right. not writing. And uh, But uh, I use a lot AI. I use before ChatGPT. I use a lot more today. And we got mentioned for our client on CNN uh, when we edited content with AI. Because uh, I found... Uh, that if you feed AI with the right data, I mean like unique data, then AI can make miracles, no? <laughs> can create real valuable, interesting content. Because uh, if you ask from scratch, please generate content about this topic, yeah, you can get generic information. So can you tell how to use AI today? You film video, by the way, on my course about AI. So let us know how to use AI to be creative and create great content. You know, I, I I love the example of the three companies. That was that was comical, but I think it's funny because it's true. The future mirrors the past in many ways. And if you look back, uh, you think about perhaps school when it was we used to learn mathematics. Oh, I have to learn your multiplication times tables, learn your addition, learn how to write the formulas out, and how to solve long division and out, and even into calculus, doing it by hand. And then affordable graphing calculators became very normal and required in many schools. And teachers were losing their mind. They'd be like, this tool, it's going to make us all forget how to do mathematics. You're not going to be able to do it right. You're not going to have a calculator in real life was the common phrase they said. And the truth is, everyone has a calculator in their pocket now with their smartphone. And what it changed is it moved us from calculation, computation, execution to formulation in mathematics. And the same thing is true in content. We are moving from maybe the nuance of how do I use uh, a paintbrush to craft a blended line and a piece of media that I'm creating to go on a blog to how do I have mid-journey create a watercolor inspired representation of exactly what I need. It's, it's a, the creativity is untouched. The formulation of the idea, what is the intent or the objective of what I want my consumer of the content to feel or experience that is still owned by the human with the tool. AI is a tool like, and I I think the great risk in, in vilifying it as a creator is not that you shouldn't use it, but that if you use it, use it as a way to enhance what you otherwise would have other what you otherwise would have created. You know, we're at the cusp of what I think is almost an industrial revolution, but for knowledge work. I think we're going to see much like uh, handcrafted um, woodworking and metalworking gave way to CNC computer manufacturing, in, and and all of a sudden now we can b- produce more complex, more nuanced, more variety of items. That's, it puts some people out of work who didn't adapt. And I think that's going to happen in, in the knowledge work fields, especially in marketing. But those who learn the new tools 
and learn to use them as an extension of their innate creativity. The ones who had extreme value to add to begin with will continue to be able to add extreme value. They'll just be able to do it in more ways at a greater speed than they were able to do before. And the, that's why, so the, the substance of how do you be creative with it? The same way you're creative with any content creation. You have to have the right ingredients. You have to understand your customer. And it doesn't matter if you're using a calculator or a number two pencil, you're still producing. You're either going to get the right answer or not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Uh, you know, you, you're super active on LinkedIn. I often see your content on my feed. So, uh, and uh, I want to ask your methods how to uh, post content on LinkedIn. Because, you know, what I usually see, uh, uh, companies learn from best practices. Um, and uh, But it depends. Uh, for example, Gary Vee can post uh, a few times a day and he can explain that you need to be uh, consistent on that uh, to create even more quality than quantity. Uh, uh, and if you have this experience, you can improve quality as well. But I see another side, many content creators tell you need to create quality than quantity, but you need to be consistent. And, uh, you know, I see when content creators confuse words consistency and frequency no so can you tell what it means for you you know to be consistent on uh, social media and your methods uh, how uh, how long to spend you know to create a piece of content for one post for sure yeah you know it, th those are the two camps right it's uh, quantity and quantity first or is it quality first and uh, the truth is they're both right <laughs> uh, for <laughs> We define between ourselves and our audience members what success is and what the commitment of consistency is. So there are some YouTube channels. They publish one video a month. They're being consistent. They've promised to deliver once a month. They're delivering once a month. They are consistent. There are people on Twitter who tweet 50 times a day. And they're being consistent because they're tweeting 50 times a day. Every 20 minutes or so, there's a tweet coming out. And neither of them are wrong. And it's about the correct answer to that is about the connection between the individual creator, the value you deliver, the way you deliver, and the medium you deliver it in, and your audience and how they want to receive it. So uh, some of that is, comes down to platform uh, etiquette, too. Like Twitter people want instant information, immediate insight, behind the scenes, unpolished, quick takes. If you're not being quick and nimble and, and unpolished there, like you're not going, people aren't going to necessarily be thrilled with that with you as much as otherwise they could be. Similarly, if you are have a long form YouTube channel or a podcast and you're just sharing one sentence takes and not a, not a YouTube short, it's like a long form video, people are also going to be a little confused as to why you're posting 900 long form YouTube videos that are only a minute long. Like it's going to be confusing to them. And I think for me, what I began understanding in the way that I create content, and you're right, I, I'm, I have been posting every day. I've skipped maybe 10 days in the last three years. I've every day for the last three years on LinkedIn. So almost a thousand posts. I got to double check if I hit a thousand yet or not, but a thousand posts in a, in a row. Um, it started at the beginning of the pandemic. And for me, before that, I was still consistent. I posted two or three times a week for six months. But before that, I really wasn't committed because I didn't have an objective 
and I couldn't from the objective understand what consistency looked like. And so when I started posting every day, my objective was build muscle memory and what it takes to do it and establish my own voice, understand how I, I knew my own ideas, but how did I want to articulate the ideas and share them with people? And then from there it evolved to how do I take my voice and find a way to help people with it, to change it from serving my ability to articulate myself to serving the outcomes that I can drive for the audience members who are consuming it. And so as far as a process, um, my process changed as each of those chapters passed. Uh, in the beginning, it was simply show up and find a way to do it. And if you wrote two posts at once, schedule one of them for tomorrow. And it was that simple. Like I didn't even think hard about formatting or the keywords. I wasn't even worried about that. Uh, in the next chapter, when I started understanding how I would write, I started building kind of a go-to catch of phrases of things that I would use, like trade and trust before we deal in dollars, um, aim to be selectively famous versus broadly mediocre. Some of these phrases you may recognize, I put them in my content still today. Um, and I've understood now, I crystallized and sharpened my own arguments of what I wanted to make. Um, the goal there was just refining the way that I write. And then the most recent chapter that I've been in is taking the ideas and being able to write and or speak in a video them so that they impact where the audience is at with the stage of the journey that they're in, in the most effective and actionable way possible. Um, and so like the, the ways that I use that now is I use um, writing aids to help take the way that I speak and turn it into extremely concise, skimmable, readable writing. I use a tool called like the Hemingway editor um, because I tend to, write and speak in very, very long content, complex sentences. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine for when we're talking to each other, but if you read what I just said, it would be a paragraph this long, be a wall of text. So I use a tool like that. Um, I use a lot of uh, gr like Grammarly or Word Hippo or things to get the right synonyms so that people relate to it better. I think about it always from the perspective of the audience and how they're consuming it. Um, and then I use other formatting tools to make sure that it's consumable natively within LinkedIn, in the way that people want to consume it. And I've been doing the same thing now. Um, in the last couple of months, I've really gotten into producing short form video on YouTube. And I've been sharing that video over on LinkedIn as well, um, making sure that I can keep the delivery tight. And uh, it's been a new challenge because I can edit what I write before I publish it, but you can't always edit what you're saying while it's coming out of your mouth. So yeah. that has been part of the process that I've taken as a creator. Nice. Guys, you can find the link uh, to LinkedIn account. You can watch all these videos. Uh, Mike has YouTube channel, so you can watch videos as well on YouTube if you prefer this format. And yeah, I enjoy learning from you. I want to ask about something that I often do, mistakes. You know, I think in marketing, we can't avoid mistakes, but some mistakes we can avoid. In my life, I made a lot of mistakes. Some of them terrible. <laughs> I lost two businesses, you know, in Ukraine when the whole crisis destroyed my first financial company. Yeah, that was hard because uh, um, I was, uh, you know, I graduated and after two years, I created great business, increased my revenue 30 times, but the whole crisis came and uh, smashed everything that I had. Even uh, I got a lot of debts, but worked hard five years to get back all this uh, uh, debts. And, uh, but I learned, I learned that it's important to 
uh, not to put all eggs in one basket, <laughs> you know, to have some reserve funds. So I got experience how to handle my finance. When the Ukrainian revolution destroyed my uh, second business, uh, that was first war with Russia that we have today. And yeah, that was hard, but uh, I had reserve funds, so I got this experience. And uh, anyway, I want to ask you about common mistakes that you can see uh, that content creators, marketers still do, and your tips how to find another way. Uh, the, the number most mistakes that I personally have made and that I see other people making come down to assumptions. It comes mm -hmm. down to making the wrong assumption or an uninformed assumption about your audience or a piece of content or a business objective versus asking your audience and paying attention to what they actually want. And why this takes place, I think, is when we come to the market of the, either the feed or we go to market as a service provider, we want to be a solution. We want to come and solve problems. So we present ourselves as I have solutions. I will always be in the solution mindset. And we wind up accidentally having this sense of um, uh, inflated, I don't want to say inflated ego, but a greater sense of importance of what we are sharing. And we think we know better than our audience, right? And the truth is, we can't all be Steve Jobs inventing the iPad when nobody asked for the iPad, right? We can't, like, he got very lucky and intuitive uh, at the right time to bring a product like that to market. The simplest way to be successful as a creator or as a business owner is build an audience listen to the audience. When they tell you their problem, ask them how you would help them. And when they tell you what they need, give them that thing. It's, it, I think we overcomplicate things a lot as creators where we try to create an offer of value and then convince people that they should like it and value it. And I think sometimes even the most basic things that we know are what feels basic to us is actually transformative and powerful and helpful for someone else. And just because we understand it maybe as well as we could spell our own name, doesn't mean that it's not changing and valuable for somebody else. And so the one piece of advice I would offer is realize that even though we are creating content, we're not the hero in the story. The customer is the hero. We're just the guide trying to help them achieve a certain transformation that they want. And once we have yeah. that service-oriented mindset, the content we create and the services that we offer through our businesses hit better and we make more revenue and everyone wins. Yeah. You remind me when someone asked me, please check out my LinkedIn profile and tell me what's going on. And I open, I can see selfish profile. Most profiles on LinkedIn are selfish. Owners don't care about the audience <laughs> they don't care about customers they just want to highlight how they're great now but nobody cares everyone wants to be great so you exactly. need to highlight how you can help and support others so yeah uh and uh, mike you know uh, what i found in my company uh that we usually get high results with customers who understand SEO. so if they understand we can cooperate like a cohesive team. We can 
uh, understand why we need to create high quality content, what kind of content to create, why we need to think more about traffic value than just getting traffic, uh, and uh, many uh, similar things, uh, PR, whitehead, link building. But if customers don't, I tell them, take my course, learn from Mike Phillips, Lily Ray, uh, Jeff Coyle, uh, go to YouTube, go to Google, doesn't matter, just learn. Find your loving way of getting knowledge. When you understand the basic, we can cooperate together you know, to achieve great results. Uh, let's imagine you started today. It's your first day in marketing. You know nothing, but you want to become an expert in one day. What will you do today to learn more about uh, marketing and branding? If I were starting from absolute zero, marketing and branding, you know, the most important thing you can do first is to be a student of the people who are doing things really well. And I don't mean to copy blindly what they are doing well. I mean to study and analyze great creators or great business owners or great teachers and be able to understand not just what they tell you, but why the way they deliver that knowledge works so well. So if you can understand what it takes to capture attention, to answer the right questions, to provide that value in a way that retains people, and how to build around it an environment of trust and authority and expertise, that is probably the foundation of any other specific application of marketing that you can come up with, whether it's social media or paid advertisements, uh, organic ranking, all of the tactics that come from in those that you can use in those areas are all built on, like you said, people's psychology is people's psychology, right? However we are consuming things, we need to understand why the people that do it really well got to where they are and what we can take from that and start practicing those things right away and learning those skills. Yeah, practice. Yeah, 100%. You know, I remember when someone asked me if I listen all your episodes, plus 500 episodes, can I become a great marketer? I replied, no, you can't. It's not like how much you can learn. I, I can't learn a teeny percent of new skills that are coming every single day. It's impossible. A uh, hundred blog posts, uh, a lot of great books. Uh, yeah, but it's more about practice because Cristiano Ronaldo prefers to hit the ball thousand times a day than to learn how to play soccer. So yeah, you need to practice. If you got knowledge, I remember when Bill Gates uh, said how he reads books, he makes notes. You know, uh, you can read more books without notes, but... Uh, you can't get the same value. We have short memory. We can forget about new things for a few days. I can forget for a few hours. Just tell me. I will forget. You know, fuck. <laughs> so, you need yeah. to do the things. You need to do whatever actions, if it's notes or kicking the ball or writing content, getting in front of a camera, put into action the things that you are learning. You think about any athlete, right? We talked about Arnold Schwarzenegger. We talked about Cristiano Ronaldo. We talked about all these great, they practice what they do. And they have really good coaches and good teachers that can help them learn where things they may not see for themselves. So I would combine, surround yourself with people smarter than you, have good teachers, good trusted sources of knowledge, and then spend the majority of your time practicing and being willing to fail, but learn from the failures. And if you can nice. do that, you can learn marketing uh, better than most people who work in marketing. 
Yeah, awesome, awesome. And Mike, my final question about the future. Just want to ask you, take your crystal ball and tell what kind of future will be because, you know, my crystal ball doesn't work. I tried when I bought crypto. <laughs> you know, I, uh, yeah, I got the prediction that crypto will go up, but <laughs> it went down. Yeah. Luckily, I have experience, don't put all like eggs in one basket. So I'm good. You know, I can't lose some money. That's okay. You know, and we can lose in marketing as well. It's part of the process. But anyway, I want to ask you about the future. What kind of future will be? Because we have AI today. Uh, Apple is going to launch augmented reality headset. By the way, I don't see a big difference. If you have smartphone, you you still watch to the screen, you know. So, uh, any tips about the future and how we can adapt today to this possible future? Yes, you know, I wish I had a reliable crystal ball like you. The number of things I would have done differently, but. If I were to wager a bet today, the things that I see coming for us in the future, um, the creator economy will only become a more prevalent factor in all sectors. And I include B2B in this as well. So whether it happens in 30 years or it's the cutting edge companies that have been doing it for three months already, you're going to see people who are skilled at writing and showing up on video and creating content whether it's published on the web or on social media, become critical to the process of buying anything. And I mean this in the sense of you will see B2B influencers the way you see regular influencers in the general B2C market today. You will see people having more and more touch points with anything that they buy, whether it's a t-shirt or a pen all the way up to thousands of dollars of software. Um, the touch points will begin and become majority outside of an official sales funnel, but be majority in front of creators in the comments of the videos, of the blogs, of the social posts. The creators are going to be more trusted because they are individuals and that brand power of an individual will supersede and be more trusted by customers than any company enterprise. I think we're going to see this only accelerate going forward, especially when you combine tasteful and skilled use of AI, you're going to see the creators are able to build massive followings or extremely specific followings. And that will make them even more valuable to either be hired or contracted by companies to drive more business. I see the creator economy driving the majority of revenue in the future. Nice. Yeah. Love it. Valuable. Valuable. Mike, it's a big pleasure to get in my show learn from you i learn every single day from you because you're active on linkedin i love this platform so i always get you on my feet <laughs> uh, and guys i recommend to anyone to follow mike because you can see a lot of value tell the best way how to keep learning from you how to reach out to you how to follow you sure yes thank you so much i am extremely active on linkedin i still publish uh, every day there so i am mike phillips uh, with the flexi emoji before Mike and the saxophone after Phillips, because there are a lot of Mike Phillips out there on the platform. But to find my content, hashtag marketing muscle. Every post I make is tagged with that hashtag on LinkedIn. That is also the name of my YouTube channel, hashtag marketing muscle with the hashtag as the channel name. Um, and I also have my own website. It is marketingmuscle.online. That is how you can get in touch with me directly for either consulting or joining the community that I am launching for creators and solopreneurs and freelancers who want to grow stronger revenue. 
all ways that we can follow and learn from one another. Nice. Guys, you can find all links in the description below. Listen to us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Thanks again, Mike. A big pleasure. Love it. So valuable. Guys, I recommend to anyone to follow Mike, to subscribe to YouTube channel, to open website because you can see a lot of value. Okay, love you. See you. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.